0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. I would normally say my the prayer I say every Sunday, but there's a prayer that especially befits this text. It's from St. Augustine and was written about the year 400. So let's pray. Look, you're here, freeing us from our unhappy wandering, setting us firmly on your track, comforting us and saying, run the race, I'll carry you. I'll carry you to the end, and even at the end, I'll carry you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. So I like to joke around that I love Advent more than any other season. And in fact, Mel and Jake like to say that I am a card-carrying member of the Advent Police. In years past, I have waited until December 24th to put up my Christmas tree. And why do I do this? Well, you all know the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. They don't start now. They start December 25th. And they go through January. So I don't know why we're all celebrating Christmas now. That said, the truth is that I don't really like Advent that much. I have to force myself to like Advent. Advent is about the last things. Things like death and judgment. Advent calls us to be watchful. To call out injustice. To wait patiently For the light. I'm not all that watchful. I like to kind of sleepwalk through life. I like comfort and security above all other things. So if you know me at all, you know that Advent is really not my MO. I much prefer what's happening outside these doors. Now that it becomes dark at 2 30 p.m., I can use all the light I can get. Artificial light is incredible. So while Mel and Jake aren't looking, I sneak up to the stores, look into the displays, and go to the Rockefeller tree. Again, I do this because I love the cheer, I love the joy. And honestly, part of the reason, the main reason I don't care for Advent that much is it's a default, it's a defect in my character, but I don't have an activist bone in my body. What what am I doing in the Episcopal Church, you may ask? Well, that's up for debate. But that said, I think you're the same as me. I think we know deep down that we need Advent, whether we want it or not. And for the very reasons I've mentioned, we need it especially. There is a great darkness in our world. There is a great darkness in our lives. Now, I'm not going to talk about the American political situation because you have all been obsessed with that for three years and counting. But if we look outside of even America, it's very similar. Look to Haiti look to South America, look to Asia. I was just at Haiti earlier this year, and since I've come back, the essentially ruler, though he's the president of Haiti, is staying in power despite the fact that his people have had no power for months, the fact that schools throughout the whole land have not been open for months, people have been protesting like crazy, but because he has access to the food and the military... He maintains his control. There is a darkness in our world, and it needs to be called out. Now, I think a lot of the times, and maybe in our present milieu, it's especially easier to call out the darkness out there because we don't like to look at the darkness within I don't know about you, but whenever I get called out about the darkness within, I usually just roll my eyes. I don't know if you've been in the subways lately, but in between all the ads on those nice shiny uh, screens that they've got there now, every once in a while an MTA ad will pop up and it will say the list of rules that you, by virtue of being a traveler, have to abide by. And if you've seen it, it's just this list of rules that goes on and on and on. And the other day, I had to take a video of it and send it to a friend because I, it's just, just like a... Did they not get the joke that no one is going to read this? And I feel the same way when somebody kind of reams me out about something that seems small or insignificant. I say, too long, didn't read. Or worse, I, you know, in my sin, I decide I'm going to do that even more. A great professor of mine in seminary once said, and I've told you this before, but I'm going to say it again and it's because it's stuck with me for 10 years now. He said that people can't hear you until they're moving towards you. People can't hear you until they're moving towards you. That puts a whole new perspective on how we call each other out today in America. They're not moving towards us yet, whatever side of the political persuasion you're on, but we're yelling at them thinking that they're going to get it people can't hear you until they're moving towards you. Now, when I hear things like that, and when I read this text, there seems to be a disconnect. Because here, John the Baptist is most definitely calling people out. He's telling them to repent, to change their ways, to change their minds, to turn around. So what was it about him that made people put up with him? I find this especially interesting because... When you think about it, when you read this text closer, you find that John isn't like your friend who likes to just kind of come over and give you some unsolicited advice. John is way out in the desert, in the wilderness. John is on his own. People were of their own free will coming out to see him tell them to get their acts together. What was it about him that was different? What was he saying? What was the draw? Well, I don't know if we'll ever know for sure. On some level, of course, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. But what was the draw? Well, one clue may be that when John called out sinners, John didn't focus in on the usual cast of characters. Read it again later today. Who is it that John seems to delight in calling out the most. Who is it that he calls names? You brood of vipers. Not very nice, not very PC. It's the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people who think they're good. I saw this movie yesterday, no spoilers, knives out. There's a character Chris Evans plays. Chris Evans is uh, Captain America in the Marvel movies. But he plays the youngest of this sibling group. And he's kind of the black sheep of the family. He's always getting into trouble. And all of the older siblings are gossiping about him behind his back. And rightly so. He's a hot mess. But as I was watching that movie, I thought to myself, if John the Baptist were to show up in that room, who would John the Baptist call out? most likely, he'd call out all the older siblings. And I thought to myself, maybe that is how a character like Chris Evans in this movie could actually receive something like that. John was an equal opportunity hater. He called out everyone, again not focusing in on the usual sinners, the drunkards, the prostitutes, the embezzlers. He zeroes in on those who think they're okay. And the usual cast of sinners, as the text makes clear, they come to him in droves. Once again, they go of their own free will out into the desert to hear this person Call them out. So here he is telling them to repent. He's calling people names. He's essentially saying, you've got everything wrong. And these people are throwing themselves before him to say, we're going to turn around. We're going to change our minds. We're going to change from our old ways. Why did they do this? Well, I think... It's because these people knew that things were not okay. That there is a darkness in this world. And there is a darkness in their lives. And so they become before this man freely. And they let him baptize them. This physical act. This marker that the old age and the old ways are coming to an end. They're passing away. And everything that happened to them and everything that they had inflicted upon others, all that had gone wrong, would be made right. They heard this. They had ears to hear and receive this. And they turned. Once again, the text makes clear, most people had ears to hear it was the good the righteous who were the ones who couldn't hear him so friends as you and I await not the first coming of Christ but the second keep in mind what what's not okay in your life what's not okay in your world What hurts do you bring with you this morning? What traumas are you carrying? And what hidden sins do you bring with you here today? For my sisters and brothers, you have been baptized with a baptism that is greater than John's. The text makes clear that you have been baptized with a baptism of the Holy Spirit And fire. And that means that you have been washed clean, that you have been forgiven, and you are being healed. So, by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by your power, but by His, wake up. Be watchful. Call out what around you is dark. Become what you already are. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at org slash giving. Thank you.